Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Oh God, we come. We come to hear Your Word. We come to hear Your Word through the music that we sing today, through the fellowship that we have one another, but we come to hear Your Word through Scripture. So Lord, as we continue in our worship together, we pray that You let the words of my mouth And the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. You know, I know I have shared, for those of you who have been here for a while, uh, that I I grew up in church. I, I don't remember a time where I didn't go to church. My, my mom and dad, you know, they raised me in church from when I was an itty-bitty baby all the way through, through youth. And that, that, that instilled something in me doing that. It instilled in me the importance of being in, in worship, that whenever I went off to college, I, I knew I had to be in church. I, I joined a fraternity while I was a, uh, going to Kansas State University for, for the one year I was there, and... Just needless to say, Saturday nights came around, fraternities did what fraternities do. And I participated in what fraternities do on Saturday nights. And, and when I woke up on Sunday morning, my alarm would go off like about 7 o'clock while everybody else in the frat house were sleeping in the sleeping dorm that we were in. And I would get myself up and I would go to church because, well, that's what you do. You, you go to church. And whenever I graduated, I, I, I knew that I needed to be involved in a church, and, 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 I, and I got involved, I got plugged into church, and that's when I got my call to ministry, from teaching and doing other things, and answered that call to where I'm, I'm in church pretty much every Sunday. And, and I love it. I love being a part of church. I, I love what it means to, to be here and celebrating, especially these next two Sundays. The, the celebration of Palm Sunday, moving in through the, the expanse of Holy Week until we get to Sunday morning where we celebrate resurrection. Had a friend another, from another church that was going, are you still doing a sunrise service? I said, yes, of course I'm doing a sunrise service because it's so wonderful to be out inside and seeing the sunrise and being able to shout with everybody that's there, he is risen, he is risen indeed. All of that is something that I absolutely love as a pastor, but I love it even more as a follower of Jesus Christ. But there is a catch to all of this. While I loved going to church, while I, I loved singing the hymns, while I loved singing the songs, while I loved hearing the Bible stories and everything, I missed something. And that something was telling other peoples about Jesus. That something was, was taking the faith that, that I had so much grabbed a hold of and, and, and held on to my life, but... I don't think I really ever shared my faith with others. 
Now, I, I did do the, the thing that you did when you're in youth group. I, I invited other youth to become a part of what we were doing because we were doing some fun, cool activities here or there, which, which is great, and it's, it's awesome. I, I don't say that you shouldn't be inviting kids to the fun and youth activities, but I was doing it just because I wanted other kids there. I don't know if I really ever thought about the relationship other youth or other people that I would have come to church, what relationship they had with Jesus Christ. That's one of the keys to the series that we're, we're kind of concluding with uh, today. We've been talking about what does it mean to have a Jesus-shaped life. And it, it's so easy to, to talk about what it means to have a Jesus-shaped life. It's so easy to talk about having the courage of Jesus, relationships of Jesus, obedience of Jesus, and the justice of Jesus, but where the rubber meets the road is actually becoming a part of the mission of Jesus and becoming a part of what it is that Jesus is calling each and every one of us to do as followers of Jesus Christ. Our scripture gives us an example of what Jesus thought was a priority in his mission to, to make disciples for the transformation of the world, if you will, to use the United Methodist version of the mission. But it's a passage that, that Jesus tells, well, there's three stories. We're not getting to the third story. We're just going to talk about the first two stories in Luke chapter 15. And I think if you are familiar with Scripture, you'll be familiar with both of these passages. So hear these words from Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 4. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and to those listening, and he says, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he'll, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Jesus' point, what Jesus is trying to share here, is that he has come to find out that there are people who are disconnected with God. And this disconnectedness scatters people. It scatters them to where they can no longer see the Savior. And I think that's something that we see in our world today. 
is that the world has become so scattered and so disconjointed that it takes a, it, it takes a while and it's a hard time for people to fully take a look and see who the Savior is. And that's where we come in. That's where we come in to help with this mission that Jesus has given us to go out and to seek the lost. But, but it takes things. It, it takes things that, that we have to do. First, we have to help them build trust in God. I, yeah, I think some of you know that I, I, I've become kind of not obsessed with this thing called TikTok. But I, I, I watch videos a lot. And there's a part of TikTok that talks about what are called ex-evangelicals. And these ex-evangelicals are people who, who once identified themselves as followers of Jesus Christ, but, but something has blocked them from seeing who Jesus is. It may be a traumatic experience that they've had in a church or with somebody who they love that was a part of the church. And they, they want absolutely nothing to do with the church. They, they fail to trust God anymore. Because they, they, they are built into what has happened to them, that they fail to see who exactly God is and the love and care that God has for them. If, if we as a church are to do anything to help people recover their relationship with Jesus Christ, is that we have to build back in them the ability to see that they can trust God. That they can trust the one who created them, who, who made them in his image, who, who helped them become the person that they are. And once they learn to trust God, then they can move towards the next step, and that is repentance. Now, we talked about repentance before. Repentance isn't the saying that I'm right and you're wrong, but repentance is this view of making a turn or, or turning completely the, the opposite direction and going in a different direction. That is what Jesus preached the most. He preached the need that, that people need to repent and turn from their former lives and move to a life that is devoted towards God. And once they are able to trust God and repent, then they can start a new relationship with a God who made them, who loves them, who cares for them. See, all, all of this is difficult. All of this is difficult to do because it, it makes us to, to, to get out of our own heads and, and look and see that God is active and moving all around us. It reminds us who, who have a firm, strong, steady relationship with Jesus Christ that we are then called to go where God is going. And that is to rescue the lost. You know, I'll have to admit, I, I, I've had a problem with that term too. I, I, I had a problem growing up with that term because, well, I'm not lost. I, I know where I'm, my relationship is, and I don't want to call other people lost because that makes them sound less than. But that term lost isn't making somebody sound less than you. It, it, it's a reality. 
It's a reality about what God is doing inside of somebody, making them understand and realizing that that they're missing something. While, While it may look like that they have everything all put together on the outside, what is happening in the inside is that they realize that they need something else. And that something else that they need is something that only God can fill for them. So when we take a look at these two stories uh, of the lost sheep and the lost coin, there, there are three principles that, that we can gather from these. The very first principle is that the greater the danger, the greater the urgency. When, when the shepherd looks out and he sees and he counts all of his sheep and he realizes that there's one missing, he understands there is danger here. One of my sheep is in trouble, and I'm going to do whatever I can to go and find that sheep. The, the terrain that's in Israel where Jesus is telling these stories are very rocky. There's places that, that sheep can fall and hurt and injure or kill themselves, but also there's the predators that are around that can trap a, a lone sheep and, and destroy them. And the shepherd knows that I must go and search out this sheep because that sheep is valuable to me. A couple of months ago, we had a meeting at the church, and the meeting happened on a certain Bible study night. We had a women's Bible study that was going on in one meeting, and I had a meeting with some people in the church in another room. And that one particular night, it actually involved a family that had a kid, Lindsay and, 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 uh, and Andrew, and their son, Miles. So, so Lindsay, and my, Lindsay and Andrew, they were like, well, we'll just put Miles in Lindsay's office and we'll give him stuff to play because, you know, if you're familiar with our offices, the, where we were was just right there by it. So Lindsay would get up and go check on Miles during her Bible study. Andrew would get up and go check on Miles during our meeting. And while we're sitting there talking, Lindsay walks in with kind of wide eyes it's like, Andrew, is Miles with you? And Andrew's like, no, it, last time I checked him, he was watching this video in your office. And Lindsay takes off. So Andrew, he gets up and he takes off. And we're, we're all sitting there in the meeting going, hmm, what do we do? Well, we, we, we kept going just a little bit. And, and I could look around the room and, and everybody is like, looking at the door, waiting for Andrew to come back or Lindsay to come back. We're just trying to wonder where they are. So finally we get up because we, really, we just weren't able to do anything else because Miles was missing. So, so we get up and we had to head out in the hallway and then coming down the hallway is Lindsay and Andrew holding Miles' hand and they're laughing. We weren't laughing because we had no idea where Miles was. And they said, oh, oh, it was so funny. We, we started to look around, and, and Lindsay went into the restroom, and Miles was sitting there on the toilet, <laughs> waiting, waiting for somebody to come and, and, and finish things up for him. <laughs> he wasn't yelling. He wasn't screaming. He wasn't doing anything. He just knew that somebody was going to come and get him. 
But you know, the urgency that we all had when we realized one of our little ones that we loved, of course, Lindsay and Andrew, absolutely, the urgency was all over them. But everybody else that was in that committee, I don't know if you told the Sunday school, the, the small group what was happening, did you? So my meeting loved you a whole lot more than your small group did, and we actually went up. No, just, just kidding. Sorry. No, because we knew the value of Miles, and, and we wanted to make sure that he was okay. That's how Jesus looks at us. Jesus has this urgency for each and every one of us to, to know that he wants us to be in relationship with him. But see, it also proves a second point. The greater the value, the longer the effort. With the woman who lost the coins, she lost one of her 10 silver coins. That may have been all that she had. And she knew that she needed to have that one particular coin in order to have all that was hers. So she tore her entire house and she was looking left and right until she found it. I can guarantee, I remember Andy Weir uh, during that meeting, he said, you know, we have these cameras all over the, the Family Life Center. We'll go to the cameras and we'll see exactly what direction he went. We were going to do anything and everything we could to make sure that Miles was safe. And then the last part of it was that the greater, see, the greater the love, the greater the joy. How valuable are lost people to God? Well, we see that in Luke, 15, chap Luke chapter 15, verse 10, where Jesus completes his story saying, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Seeking is what God does. Looking for the lost is what God does. If you want to look at the entire breadth of scriptures, you can see that he was about that even at the very beginning, in the, in, in the beginning of Genesis, when Adam and Eve decided that they were going to do their own thing and eat, from the ap eat the apple from the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. They realized, whoops, we messed up, and they took off and they hid from God. And God started to look for Adam and Eve right there at the very beginning, saying, Adam, Adam, where are you? I want you to be in relationship with me, and, and the world will not be right until our relationship is right. We've been using a book uh, during this Lenten season called a Jesus-shaped life. It's written by the author is named Stephen uh, Cordell, who is a pastor uh, in, I think, up north somewhere. And I, I wish I came up with this, but I didn't, so I'm going to steal it from him and give it to you. And what he does, he gives us a way to help us to participate in the mission of Jesus Christ. How is it that we can be a part of the work of, of reaching the lost? And he uses a five-letter word that is just bless. We, we bless people. And the very first thing that we do when we bless people is we begin with prayer. Now, 
you're saying, well, come on, Pastor Chris, that's like the church answer to everything, right? You begin with prayer. I say, no, it's so important. And I think we, we fail to see the importance of what it means when we begin with prayer. First of all, we begin with prayer asking God for the strength to reach out to serve others. But then we begin by reaching out in prayer and we talk to God about specific people. It's not a gossip session. It, it's not a way to, to say, well, God, I need to talk about this person for what they did to me here or there. But it's to have a heart to say, God, I really want these people to, to know you, to, to see you, to have you active in their lives. So, so my challenge for you is to, to think. Do you have about four to five people that you can write down on a list. And when you go to God in prayer, you say, God, I'm praying for Rebecca. I'm praying for Sam. I'm praying for a list of names there. Help me to see what you see in them. Help me to see how I can then reach out to them and let them know you care for them and you love them. Because before we talk to people about God, we have to take the opportunity to talk to God about people. And once we have these people list, then it's the most important thing. And that is that we need to take time to listen. Listening is so important, and I think listening is a lost art. We don't know how to listen well. First of all, we, we must take the opportunity to, to listen to God and, and hear what God is calling us to do. But then we, we take the steps to do that. Then we then turn it and we start listening to those people that we are praying for. We start listening to their stories. We start listening to hear what is happening in their lives and how God may be already active and moving in their lives. Not so that we can immediately point it out and say, ah, ah, you see that? You see what God's doing right there? No. We do that so that we can understand and let people know that we care for you. And we want to hear what is happening in your life. And another way, best way to listen to somebody, and, and this is very serious here, is that you take time to eat with them, to, to, to have a meal where, where you break bread. Because I don't know about you, maybe when I was, in, in, when I was teaching or whenever I was younger, I'd be able to get done with a meal like about five, ten minutes, just at speed eating, just to get, get it done so I can get going. But no, if you are sitting down intentionally with a meal with somebody, you're saying, I want to give this next hour, this next hour and a half, or this time together for us just to get to know each other, to hear, to understand, to, to, to care, to be in relationship with one another. And then we get to the S's. The first S is to serve. Where can we serve our neighbors? Where can we let them know that we are there for them? 
one of the things that I absolutely love about our church, especially the last few years, and I know with the whole pandemic, it kind of slowed it down a little bit, but I'm starting to see a little bit more of an uptick in it, is that we are a church that is looking to see how we can serve the community as the community has needs again. And once we are able to do that, then we get to share the story of Jesus. Not just any story of Jesus, but, but your story of Jesus. There's a story that Jesus tells in the Gospels after somebody is healed, uh, somebody was blind from birth, and, and he starts getting peppered stories left and right from the Pharisees, and they're, they're trying to pin him down, and they're trying to find a way to accuse Jesus for not being who he actually says he is. And, and the blind man who now has sight, he has this perfect line in, in John chapter 9, verse 27, after the Pharisees are just, just berating him with questions, he says, have I, I've told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? See, the blind man knew that he had a story to tell about how Jesus touched his life. And my friends, I can guarantee that even if you think about it a little bit, you have a story that you can share with someone about how Jesus has touched your life, how, how Jesus has been made real to you so they can see Christ active in your life and then turn around and say, oh, wait, if, if God was active in Pastor Chris's life in this way, maybe God has been active in my life in that way too. See, it's a great reminder it's a great reminder as we head into this Holy Week that God invites us to be about his work. God invites us to be about his work, about blessing others, about inviting others for, by looking for the lost and helping them see a God who loves and cares for them, a God who desires to be in relationship with them. So they can come to the party. So they can come to the party and experience the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My hope and my prayer is that as we move through these next seven days, as we prepare our hearts and minds for Jesus being lifted up, so ultimately he may be raised up, that we can share that story with others that they can see the love and grace of Jesus Christ in a new and exciting way that will turn their lives into lives of joy. Let us pray. Oh God, you have given us so many ways to share your love and grace with the world around us. And Lord, we do know that there, is, there are people that are lost out there people that are hurting, people that are wandering. We pray that as we move through this next week, you bring some people to our minds, not so that we can immediately go out and tell them about you, but, Lord, so we immediately go to you and tell you about them, to place them on our hearts, 
so that we can then turn our lives towards you and be an epiphany of your grace. So, Lord, we lift this prayer up to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.